Hi guys, welcome back to Astrology and You. I'm Alice. And I'm Maxine. In today's episode, we're going to be demystifying some common myths about astrology. Yes, so I guess some common myths are like when people come up to me and they say, my horoscope doesn't make sense, astrology isn't real. Um, Or another misconception I get is when people refer to me as a fortune teller or a tarot card (laughs) reader. They just like, everyone just assumes I read tarot cards too. I don't. So all that stuff is completely different from astrology. So we're going to get into topics related to that and what is real about astrology and what is kind of a myth or something that a lot of people have built up about it. Yes, or for me, like the biggest myth that I'm excited to demystify in this episode is when people say like they think they're doomed in love or some area of their life or have like a quote unquote bad birth chart or like thinking astrology is in some way dark or scary um, when really it's for me and Alice, I know this is true for you, but such a healing positive tool. Yeah, I totally agree. I get people all the time that are like, I have this placement. Am I doomed? Am I doomed to be alone forever? It's just like nothing in your birth chart is bad. Yeah. So hopefully we can get to the root of that. Yeah. So that's like the one takeaway from this episode. Like nothing is good or bad. Like some things are more or less preferable maybe. But um, okay. So we actually also have an announcement Yes, so we just launched our Patreon. Um, The link to it is available in the show notes. So if you sign up for our Patreon, you can select between three tiers to subscribe to each month. Um, The first one is $1. It's just to support the podcast, give love so we can keep it going and spend more time on it each week. Um, Then we have a $5 tier a month, which gives you access to an additional podcast episode, which will always be... The, this additional podcast episode will always be about what the month ahead looks like for each rising sign. So it's kind of like a personalized month ahead reading for you. Um, I'm so and, excited about that. Yeah. And then the third tier is $25. So in if you sign up for that, you get the additional podcast episode each month and then also access to a monthly workshop with Maxine and I. And I guess we'll try to figure out um, a time that works for everyone for that. Um, but I think the workshop for March will be a full moon and Libra one. Yes, we're so, so excited to share this with you guys and just connect more deeply with you through these new offerings and really just build up this astrology community of really open-hearted humans. So um, be sure to check out the link in our show notes if you are interested. And we just, we would love to have you join us. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into this week's transits. Um, So this episode is coming out on February 28th. So we're looking ahead at the first week of March. Maxine, do you want to kick it off? Yeah, so let's begin with the full moon that happened yesterday, actually. So there was a full moon February 27th, early in the morning. And what that means is whenever you go from a full moon to the new moon that happens in two weeks from now, it's what we call the waning moon. So the moon is growing like in the sky. It was a big full moon and now it's getting smaller and smaller. And basically, this is a time for reflection, recharging yourself, really like turning inward. And just as the moon is like shedding and getting smaller, you too are like decluttering. So letting go of like 
who and what doesn't serve you, any limiting beliefs, like really clearing space to welcome in positivity and new beginnings um, in two weeks from now. Yeah, I feel like the waning moon is good for just like finishing up work on things you've already begun. It's not so much a starting a new chapter type of energy. Um, yeah. So if and you can, much- I was just gonna say, so if you can hold off on going on like a first date or something, wait until the new moon. Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> um, and also, yeah. So it's just a lot of inter- introspection. So at this time, you're you're not naturally wanting to really like be social and be more extroverted so just honoring that part of you to kind of recharge Mm -hmm. and then I guess the next big thing that's happening this week is Mars is finally moving out of Taurus it's been in Taurus since January 5th it's moving to Gemini on Wednesday the third um kind of like late the third early the fourth so Mars will be in Gemini for the next two months until the end of April um this is a big shift because that entire time it's been in Taurus for the last two months, it's been square Saturn, Jupiter and Aquarius. So there's been this huge fixed sign square. And I feel like if you're a fixed sign, Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, Aquarius, you've probably felt a lot of tension and frustration. So hopefully now that it's moving into a different sign, there's just like a little less stress or pressure on you. Um, Mars, wherever it is, is kind of always where you're feeling the urge to direct your energy and what you're most motivated to do. So with it moving into Gemini, I feel like you might have like a lot more motivation to start learning, um, getting involved in projects tied into communication, like really wanting to like pick up a lot of interests at once. Gemini's kind of like, I want to know about everything. And yeah, I just feel like, taking in a ton of info right now yeah so like a flurry of new ideas I feel like so much curiosity with Mars and Gemini and um so really kind of acknowledging like where you are curious and just allowing yourself to follow that spontaneity but also maybe kind of setting yourself some boundaries to that so that way you can kind of get the most out of where you put your energy into yeah, and I feel like this is also a shift to like mutable sign energy with the sun and Venus and Pisces, Mars is in Gemini now. So kind of also going with the flow, being adaptable to change in new situations, not being so fixed in your ways. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so that is a little preview of what's to come this week, what energy to work with, and let's get started. I'm so excited for this episode. So the five common astrology myths, we are just going to kind of go through them um, one by one and talk about them and kind of demystify them together. So number one, astrology does things to you or astrology can definitively tell what is going to happen to you. Alice, do you want to take this myth away? (laughs) Yeah, so I'd say that's what like people are scared the most about getting a reading is that like whatever I'm telling them is like for sure gonna happen and then you get fixated on that thing that might happen to you and then it's like all you can think about. So I feel like to keep in mind when you are getting an astrology reading or looking at that stuff in general, astrology shows potentials for what can happen. I'm never going to get it exactly right what will happen to you at any given time. So I feel like just take a grain of salt into what an astrologer or take what an astrologer is telling you with a grain of salt. Because I know when I'm giving an interpretation of an upcoming transit or something that's about to happen to a client, 
I'm only building off like my personal experience and what I've seen in the charts of other people work. And maybe I'm not fully getting the full picture there. Mm, Yeah. And I love what you said about like really allowing yourself to take it with a grain of salt because honestly, your intuition is most important. Like what the whatever you feel is true for yourself, like really listening in and coming to if you're thinking about an astrology reading, like coming to it with um, like almost that beginner mindset of like being open to whatever you're going to hear, but also really trusting that the most important things about a reading are the things that really resonate with you and like you feel on a deep level. So trusting your intuition more than anyone else's, I think is always important to remember. And if you go to an astrology reading and the astrologer is like, you're definitely getting married on this date or you're going to definitely get pregnant this time, I would definitely be wary of that type of astrologer because like no astrologer can make exact predictions like that. Yes, I would say like if someone, if astrologer tells you you're doomed in some way or under a spell or something weird, like run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they should not be like, yeah, it's so important. Like astrology gets such a bad rep because people do think like, oh, everything that astrology, like whatever happens, like almost it's like people forget that you have free will and there's like you are able to use astrology as a tool rather than have things happen to you. I think that's really important to think of astrology as a helpful tool. Yeah, like I'll always ask someone, I'm like, if I see like a move in their chart, I'll be like, okay, I'm seeing a move. Is that something you've thought about? Because usually like with astrology, it doesn't, the events don't like come out of the blue. I mean, I guess sometimes they do, but like usually it's like what you're kind of already feeling in your intuition. So if you don't feel like you're moving in two weeks, then that's, it's doubtful that's going to happen. Maybe it could be something else involving the home or a family situation. Like I feel like astrology shows kind of again, going back to like potentials for each area of your life. So maybe I see something affecting your house of home, but I don't know exactly if it's going to be a move or some kind of change with your family or wanting to redecorate and not moving. But I know it's going to be home related. Exactly. So astrology coincides with and signals things that are happening in your life or going to happen, but it's never like the cause of things. Like it's not to be blamed or like, you know what I mean, Alice? Yeah, like I feel like astrology presents you with a certain set of circumstances and like emotions you might be feeling at some time, but it's up to you to decide like what decision you're going to make. So I feel like um, if there's relationship energy coming into your life, you can either choose if you want some, if you want to pursue someone who's unavailable and, or you can choose like, I want a better partner. I have better self-worth. Um, So it kind of like presents you with a situation, but it's like a multiple choice. Like which direction am I going to go in here? Oh, I love that. Yeah. So it like, it's not like astrology and not anything you're going to learn in astrology is going to be like, oh, I'm forced to do this thing. Like I really didn't want to move, but now I have to. Like that is not how it works. Um, Yeah. But it's really used as a tool to help guide you. So like, yeah, if there is some something being stimulated in career, like it's going to be a time where you're given this energy in that career to maybe make a change in your career, reevaluate what you want to be doing or, you know, like something within that. So just thinking about like you get to choose how to make use of that energy. And an astrology reading is so helpful because you actually learn like, okay, where do I focus my energy and how can I make sure it manifests in a way that's beneficial to what I want at this time in my life? 
And I guess it's just important to remember that like the astrologer, just to hit it home, like the astrologer does not know exactly what is going to happen to you. And I feel like that's also important because like astrologers will go to other astrologers for perspective on their own charts. It's like there's always different meanings of what's going on. Yes, exactly. Like a reading is literally an interpretation. So um, Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. love that. Uh, So we'll move on to number two, um, which is a myth that you can have a bad chart or your chart can show that you're cursed. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So there are no good or bad planets. There are no good or bad aspects or signs that are better or worse than another um, in the sense that there are some combinations that present you with more challenges like to grow from and such but it's never like oh you're doomed if you have Venus in you know Pisces or Scorpio or something like it's never that black and white good or bad yeah so I would say um like everyone's gonna have oppositions and squares in their chart I don't think I've ever seen a chart that like doesn't have kind of difficult aspects and those are just providing you with areas for further growth. Um, I think we've mentioned this in a previous episode, but like you need those more difficult aspects in order to grow and like to push you to do something differently because the squares and oppositions will create like difficult situations where you're like, why is this always happening to me? I need to change up my behavior. Yeah, so like really looking at maybe reframing the way that you see something. If you think in your chart, like right now, if you're listening and like, oh, but I have this one aspect or something that I don't like about my chart. It's like, okay, but maybe reframing that to be like, this is an opportunity that I came here to grow and expand in and to learn from. Like, this is part of your evolution. So I think that yeah, like really helps I'm- it. I feel like I'm so sick of getting messages that are like, I have this planet placement. Am I doomed? Yeah. Like, or I have this, is this bad? Like, I think it's like getting away from that language of like, is this good or bad? Is this doomed or not? Um, yeah, yeah, like I'm, nothing. Some things are more preferable. Some things are less. But like astrology for me and Alice, I know this is true for you, too. But like it's such a tool for self-discovery, self-understanding, self-acceptance. So like those parts of ourselves that maybe point to something that we aren't comfortable with yet in ourselves, like astrology helps you to become comfortable with it and to like use everything in a way that's like for your like in a way that's positive or helps you in a constructive way, you know, like it helps you to accept that part of yourself too. Yeah. And like saying stuff's bad or cursed in your chart, that's just taking a victim mentality. Yeah. Um, like for example, I have a Scorpio moon and I, when I first got into astrology, like along, like way back, I looked on the internet and it was just saying that, you know, Scorpio moon is like a terrible placement, blah, blah, blah. And like, obviously that's not true (laughs) like um so I really think that's where that fear comes from especially if you go to the internet for anything like you're gonna find all sorts of wacky like really depressing (laughs) interpretations of things because that's how people kind of rope you in and try to get your money and like you know like that isn't true astrology to me 
I feel like when people first start learning astrology, they get really like obsessed with like the bad things in their chart too. Like the stuff that is very challenging. Like I know when I first started learning, I was super obsessed with like Chiron and Saturn. And like, I was like, oh my God, I have all this stuff that's wrong with me. But then just learning that like there's others, there's other sides to your chart too. And then like also with transits like this transit is for sure going to result in a breakup or like you're gonna for sure get fired like there are no like I mean yes there are more difficult transits such as like Saturn connecting to your moon or Pluto connecting to your moon or Venus or your sun like those those are difficult transits but it doesn't always mean like your life's going down the toilet (laughs) yes (laughs) okay but also with that you just made me think like this is also why I love astrology because it brings so much awareness to those parts of ourselves like I think when I learned about my Scorpio moon I was of course like uh, I knew it wasn't like a terrible thing that I was reading about but there was some truth there that like I emotionally am a very intense person and like my when I'm really happy I'm super happy when I'm really sad I'm really sad and so I think that it's kind of interesting in a way because astrology maybe those parts that you think are like a bad planet it might intrigue you in some way if if it has like some significance mm-hmm. I feel like, like the bad personally stuff. experience it yeah like the bad stuff was what roped me in quote unquote bad stuff was what roped me into astrology because I wanted to know more about that about myself um because I feel like the hard stuff was the part of myself I was denying or not accepting um so like learning about like the eighth house moon and Venus and the seventh house Saturn and the fourth house Pluto and the first house Chiron all of those are like probably the hardest parts of my chart but I feel like that is what why I became so interested in astrology in the first place was because it suddenly explained all of those challenging aspects in my life. Exactly. And like not to lose sight of the beneficial parts of that too, you know, like, like Saturn in the seventh. Okay. It might take you longer to find someone maybe, but when you find that person, I feel like there's so much loyalty there and staying power. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and- And even with transits, I feel like astrology, knowing like if there's a quote unquote bad traditionally like um, aspect coming to your chart, you can use that to then actually make sure that during that time you're super aware and you're taking the steps to prevent that, like owning that responsibility to kind of work, like put in the work that you can now so that way it will manifest in a way that's more helpful for you, more beneficial hmm yeah I couldn't agree more um should we move on to the next one yes okay so myth number three all signs act the exact same so for example like someone will say okay every Scorpio is super super intense or every Gemini is two-faced or something like basically thinking of these stereotypes of astrology as being truthful yeah I feel like that's what is so common in like pop astrology like what you see in the magazines or on instagram like just making these huge generalizations about all of the signs like i i hear people like i can't date this sign because it went badly with like two people in my past not everyone with that sign is going to act the exact same um so again it's like so again it's just like important to look at like someone's take someone's full chart into consideration um yes 
Okay, this or don't is why... use, don't 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 even use astrology to like write someone off, even if their full chart isn't working, doesn't isn't like traditionally compatible with yours or something like that. Like still, if you get along with them, I wouldn't focus on like if they have a sign that it doesn't work with yours. Yes, I so agree with you. Like honestly, that is so true because I feel like sometimes people get so fixated on a certain thing rather than just seeing the person in front of them and then using astrology again as like a tool. It's not to like, it's meant to like supplement your understanding of that person deeper, but it's never meant to like ignore what you're experiencing, right? Like you're still supposed to be able to have that relationship with that person and get to know them deeper and then use astrology to help benefit that relationship and like understand them on a deeper level yeah and going back to the generalizations like you're like all every Scorpio acts like this that's also just generalizing that like your sun sign is all there is to astrology and like people saying oh my horoscope doesn't make sense I don't feel like a cancer I don't feel like a Leo there's so much more than just your sun sign mm, yeah and astrology like- And that's why it's so, so beautiful when you start to like learn not just your sun sign, but your moon, your rising, all of that, because you get a really more in-depth, cohesive look at the person. And, and honestly, it's kind of funny to me because some people will say like, oh, but like astrology puts you in a box or puts a label on you. But like everything in life, like has labels. Like for example, people are totally okay with saying, oh, I'm an introvert or I'm an extrovert. That That's like literally two options. Like you're either an extrovert or an introvert, but then astrology has 12 signs. So like that is 12 different options. And then if you even add in just sun and moon, that's 144 combinations or like your sun, moon rising, like 1700 combinations, you know? So it's like, it actually does help you to understand that person on a deeper level. And I feel like it takes you out of the box. <laughs> Yeah, that is true because so many people have like certain beliefs about themselves. Like I'm messy. I'm a messy person or like I'm, I'm, I procrastinate. I'm a huge procrastinator or like I'm a neat freak, whatever it is like you're still labeling yourself. So why not try to do it in a more constructive way where you're kind of like working to understand your unique personality traits? Yeah. And how it like all comes together. I love that, Alice. Yeah, and, like, that's why astrology is really helpful. Um, Did you have anything else to say on that? No, I think we covered it. I really, I mean, there's so much to say about it, but it just really comes down to, like, no, not everyone is the same, you know? I wanted to bring up a perfect example of this. Um, (laughs) There was, like, an article circulating, like, two years ago. It was, like, someone posted about needing a roommate but was like no Capricorns allowed and it like went (laughs) viral as being like very discriminating towards people just because like this person refused to room with a Capricorn so again that's going back to like not wanting not agreeing to even give someone a chance because of like generalizations associated with their sun sign oh my gosh that's crazy yeah and it's like okay yeah they're a Capricorn but like what we talked about this in the sun moon rising episode you need to know their moon 
to look yeah <laughs> you need to know their moon no capricorn moons no i'm just kidding um but yeah and, and even what you were saying too i feel like gemini for example is a sign that gets like like dragged through the dirt for like when it comes to romantic relationships well like guess what like the love of my life is a Gemini and like had I I don't know somehow focused on that as something negative you know and ridden him off like I would never have you know but I mean this is why you don't just generalize in that way yeah I used to have a list of like traits I wanted in a partner and at the top was like has to be a Leo and I like went I went in and deleted that recently I was like okay I don't care if they're a Leo like I care about how they like treat me like they don't have to be a certain sign yes and also like Leo like sometimes that's not what you want if you are a Leo rising because it's like no you want to be the Leo you know yeah yeah so sometimes you don't even know what's good for you so be open to everyone Yes, I love that. Inclusivity. Um, Okay, so number four, Alice, do you want to? Yeah, number four myth we have is astrology, tarot, and psychics are all the same. So I feel like this is like a problem, like like I was saying in the intro, like people just kind of like grouping me into this group of like psychics and tarot. Um, I was at an event once and they're like, yeah, there's the fortune teller and pointed to me. And I was like, astrology oh not, no like, that is not as what astrology is it means so bad yes I agree so in astrology it's like genuinely it's based off of a birth chart like your when you get a reading done everyone has a unique blueprint of like where the planets were and everything when you were born and that in and of itself is like actually something that the astrologer reads and the whole reading is focused on that. Like it's not some futuristic um, prediction that they're just like using their psychic abilities or something. Like it's very much rooted in that like mathological. It's rooted in that mathematically (laughs) calculated graph like showing um, you exactly where all the planets were when you were born. And using all of the knowledge from like thousands of years that have been accumulated about astrology and like really yeah it's a lot about like interpreting symbols and symbolism and each um planet and each sign has like an archetype and kind of the astrologer knows what that is and then based on that archetype they're able to tell you something about yourself or what is going on in your life now um I feel like common misconceptions like when people come to me for readings they'll ask if the relationship I see coming up is someone from their past I don't I'm not able to tell that I don't know if your ex-boyfriend's coming back all I can see is that there is potential to form a relationship right or like for example I get this where people want to know like which job should I take like if they have like a specific option and it's like well I see a job change I see that it should be surrounding these areas like you have these gifts but like it's truthfully up to that person to make that call for themselves and that is not something that like I'm ever gonna tell someone do this you know like it's up to them they have free will Mm mm-hmm yeah and I guess that goes into like when you do get a reading with an astrologer um you shouldn't just be playing a passive role of like I'll sometimes get people who just come into a reading expect me to like convince them that astrology is real they'll like wear a poker face when like no an astrology reading should be like a back and forth convo because once again I cannot see everything about your life and your future the more you tell me though the more I can see when like if you 
if you're able to open up and say like, I'm having a rough time at my job, I'm interviewing for different positions. If you give me that kind of background, then I am able to look at the chart and say, okay, now that I know, like you're actively looking, let's find out like when that change might happen. If you're not even telling me what's going on, then I'm not really sure what I'm looking for, you know? Yeah. And and the birth chart, like, honestly, has so much to tell you, too. So, like, in an astrology reading, you're not going to have enough time to get into every single detail. So it's really important to kind of understand what it is you want going into the reading. Like, what are your focus points? And sharing that. And honestly, the more you open up, the more you'll get out of the reading yourself. Yeah, the best the best readings are when it's like equal give and take between the astrologer and the client. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. So like not thinking that you're just going to get there, sit there and like as if it's a psychic who just like tells you things, um, which is totally awesome and valid. Like if that's something you're into, but like astrology is much more like much different. Like it's totally different things. <laughs> I think in like a reading recently, I was telling someone, I think they had eclipses happening in their third and ninth house. And I was like, oh, like, looks like there's a big emphasis over the coming year on like reading, learning, like writing, everything related to communication. They just kind of like looked at me like, mm-hmm. And yeah. then like later on it, later on in the reading, it comes out that they had like written a book or were writing something <laughs> super intensely. And I was like, I was like, that was literally what I was talking about. If you could have offered up that information at that time, we could have like dug deeper into that. Yes, exactly. So like, that's a perfect example. Or like, I don't know that we talked about moving homes already. But like, even if you're interested in like, like maybe there's some big healing work that's coming up for you and like kind of being open to sharing things like that can be really beneficial um, just so that way you can kind of get an idea of like what specifically your birth chart is helping you to release at that time or helping you to focus on and get some clarity in. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I, I think that's everything I had to say on that section. Yes, <laughs> I agree. So in conclusion, astrologers are not tarot readers. <laughs> and please, um, please talk. Talk yes, during please. this session. <laughs> yes, please do. Um, okay, and then uh, the last one we have, number five for astrology myths is astrology is just a passing trend. Okay, it no, it like has such a long, beautiful history. Um yeah, so, like, it's not something that is just, like, here now and, like, people are just magically into it. Like, you might, um, like, obviously, you're listening to this astrology podcast, so I assume, like, our target audience, I feel like, is in agreement with us. But, um, no, astrology, like, has been around for thousands of years. Yeah, so astrology has technically been around since, like, 2000 BCE when it originated in Mesopotamia. Um, and it was a big deal back then. It spread quickly, and it was at the height of the Roman Empire. Um, emperors would have astrologers that would kind of predict, like, battle schemes and... Um, what kind of their next political move should be. Um, Emperor Augustus Caesar, Caesar, sorry, Augustus Caesar had Capricorn currency. So he was a Capricorn and he put Capricorn on all the coins that were circulated in ancient Rome at that time. So it wasn't something that was like a joke or like 
um, only like female oriented, kind of like the, I don't know, like the flimsy type of reputation it gets now. Mm, yeah. So, so like not only in Mesopotamia, but like it developed in other parts of the world too, and it spread. So like there are different types of astrology, like su- such a diversity because like everywhere from like from China to Egypt, India, like ancient Greece, like all of these places developed astrology. And, and the reason why it spread and became so popular was because it worked like Alice was saying so people planned it for like battles and such like that um and even like it predicted by looking at the stars they were able to predict when patterns emerged like for predicting droughts or predicting you know if something big was going to happen that affected people like how to when to plant crops when to harvest like it was such a practical thing yeah and I feel like it it declined um kind of between the 17th and 19th centuries around that time because of like the scientific revolution and like the rise of Christianity in the West. Um, I feel like it's always been like a mainstay in India and Eastern countries, but in the West, like it, it lost its like credibility because of those things. Um, But then it did have a revival in the 20th century. Yeah, exactly. So like when all of a sudden this revolution happened where people are thinking of okay like science above everything like there must be like the age of reason then people began to see astrology as separate from astronomy so like astronomy is all about all of the planets their positions and such and then um astrology is like okay but making that have meaning in our lives as humans so um so it's interesting because that was only recent. Like before that, people really saw it as one and the same thing and saw ourselves as a connection to the cosmos and like really accepted that fully. So so it's really interesting to think about that. Um, and also... Be- and I feel like... Yeah. No, go on, go on. And, and also even before that, like it's been like just a nerdy fact here, but like even 25,000 years ago, like they even found like... Um, different cave drawings and stuff and carvings that have shown that people used the lunar um cycle and stuff to like in a way that was like it was written on walls and stuff so people were even making use of astrology then Twenty five thousand years yes like not not in a way like so ancient babylonian that was like actually horoscopes and stuff they know about it because like language was a thing but like back then even like drawings of like the lunar cycle and people taking I wonder if that's also though to do with like um like the menstruation cycle you know like the moon cycle as it's called so Mm -hmm. so it's so fascinating and like it's such a deeply rooted thing that like if you think about people back then they must have just marveled like no light pollution looking into just the abyss like of course it was a thing I just I honestly it baffles me that people don't think it's a thing like (laughs) yeah it did I feel like it came back and like has had not so great of a reputation or something that like only women should be interested in um in the 20th century because it came back like when all these other I guess in the late 1800s, there was like an interest in like spirits and like ghosts. And um, I'm trying to think of what else. That was like when like 
topics like reincarnation, like past lives, all of that spiritualism, like going to a psychic was something like so normal at the turn of the 20th century. Um, so I feel like astrology got grouped into that and that's how it's become kind of associated with everything like mystical instead of like a legit like prediction thing. Yes. And also what you just said reminded me, I feel like astrology, if you think about how much like astrology is the most empowering thing I've ever come across in my whole life. Like I, Alice, I'm like, sure you feel the same, but it literally gives you so much knowledge about yourself, so much self-awareness about even other people and like an ability to play with time and an ability to like look into the future and see like okay how do I want to like manifest this or use this energy for myself so it's like so empowering and I feel like um obviously that wasn't a great thing for maybe leaders during certain parts of history so just like taking that even into consideration when you think about how astrology people say oh no like it's not a thing it's like okay but there's a reason why like people had a reason to make it seem like it wasn't as powerful or real as it is, you know? Mm-hmm. There was like this article that came out in the New York Times back in like May. And it was like, is astrology dead? Like astrologers didn't predict COVID, something like that. Um, when like that's a perfect example of like people only thinking astrology is like your weekly horoscope and like this pop astrology thing when like astrologers kind of knew 2020 was going to be a difficult year for a long time coming yeah like it's not like you're gonna know oh there's a specific virus like that like you know what I mean it's just again like the potential like yeah um I think the author Celeste Teal she wrote about how 2020 was going to be like this profound like she literally talks about what has happened but it's insane um well the book cosmos and psyche if anyone's interested in like kind of seeing how astrology has been woven throughout like how astrology kind of explains every major historical event from the last like 500 600 years um definitely look at cosmos and psyche yeah so astrology is not a passing trend this is definitely something that um i feel like as people develop more interest in self-empowerment and like improving themselves and understanding their themselves and their personal development i feel like it's just going to become like even more powerful and more common so so yeah I do feel like the reason why our generation has become so interested in it is because we have everyone born like from the late 80s to like the mid 90s. So in this kind of age range has Uranus and Neptune conjunct in um, Capricorn. So when those two come together, it's kind of like more open to spiritual topics. Absolutely agree. Yes. And so many indigos too. So it's just, yeah, it's incredible. I feel like so much emphasis and open-mindedness in that area so cool yeah um so those are our five common astrology myths I hope we have explained (laughs) that well enough (laughs) yeah I feel like I can so easily just go off topic with that too because it's like I could talk about that forever Yeah, same. <laughs> um, Should we get to our Q&A? Yes. Okay, so number one for the Q&A this week, what is the midheaven? Um, yeah, so the midheaven in astrology is 
the career line. It shows about your reputation, your public image um, to the world and kind of how you can be recognized for things more readily by the public. Yeah, it's like it's one of the major angles in your chart and it's at the top portion. Um, so it's square. It's like um, at a cross degree with the rising and the descendant lines. Um, so it's at the top of your chart. It's the most like, like Maxine said, like the public image, what like everyone else sees you to look like. So I feel like when you're looking at a celebrity, you're kind of seeing their mid heaven traits because you, you've never seen them in person. You're just seeing like what they, how they present themselves to the whole public. Yes, exactly. So this is like your midheaven shows you like mine is in Aquarius, for example. So it shows me kind of like wanting a career that's more different and more like honestly about astrology, for example. But it also shows how people perceive me before they've even met me. So people tend to think like, oh, she's very quirky, very different, like all of those things, like very friendly, all of that. Mm hmm. Yeah, so if you're confused about your career path, I definitely say like pay attention to what sign the midheaven is located in and what where the ruling planet as well of the midheaven, where that's falling in your chart. Yeah, and there's so much more to the midheaven, but in a like short Q&A, that's like the general term, like the general definition. Um, yeah, so number okay, two, so Alice. Number two. Yeah, question number two, how will Pisces season affect Pisces rising? Um, so this is the time of the year. If it's the season where it's your rising sign, the sun is going through your first house. And this is kind of like um, a month-long period where you're very focused on yourself, your personal goals, like where you want to be going in the next 12 months. Because um, it's kind of like the fresh start of the chart transits like everything's coming back to the first house and then it'll go through all 12 again um so very self-focused time if you're a Pisces rising this month yeah extremely self-focused and very like especially for Pisces I feel like you might feel a deeper connection with your spirituality and like exploring that more and seeing how you yourself are connecting with that maybe on a more daily basis like you might have a more drive toward that Mm -hmm. And you're coming out of like the 12th house season. So a period of like more isolation or feeling more alone. And now it's like, what have I learned from that reflection time? How can I act on that? Yeah. And also because the sun is your identity, like who you how, who you want to shine out to the world, right? So like having that in your first house of self and like very visible to other people, you might be really kind of thinking about how you want to show up to the world and um, almost like reinventing yourself, like your identity in a way, like allowing that to like explore different ways of like acting with other people or new beliefs, like trying different things on. Yeah, totally agree. Um, um, okay, so that's it. yeah, so that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope that you learned something new. Yes, and be sure to sign up for our Patreon if you want and tune in next week. Yes, we are so excited. We really hope that you guys can join our Patreon and become more a part of our community. Also, if you want to follow us on Instagram for more astrology content and ask us any questions for our Q&A on here, I'm Maxine Lufia. Yes, and I am at Stock Atlas. Um, yeah, that's it. Bye, everyone. Bye. Yeah.
Oh, 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 oh,